God brings us together as a community of believers because God wants to speak to us. This central act of our worship is practiced primarily through the reading of scripture and preaching. So hear the word of the Lord from Psalm 49. Hear this, all peoples. Give ear, all inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor together. My mouth shall speak wisdom. The meditation of my heart shall be understanding. I will incline my ear to a proverb. I will solve my riddle to the music of the lyre. Why should I fear in times of trouble when the iniquity of those who cheat me surrounds me? Those who trust in their wealth and boast of the abundance of their riches, truly no man can ransom another or give to God the price of his life. For the ransom of their life is costly and can never suffice, that he should live on forever and never see the pit. For he sees that even the wise die, the fool and the stupid alike must perish and leave their wealth to others. Their graves are their homes forever, their dwelling places to all generations, though they called lands by their own names. Man in his pomp will not remain. He is like the beasts that perish. This is the path of those who have foolish confidence, yet after them people approve of their boast. Like sheep they are appointed for Sheol, death shall be their shepherd and the upright shall rule over them in the morning. Their form shall be consumed in Sheol with no place to dwell. But God will ransom my soul from the power of Sheol, for he will receive me. Be not afraid when a man becomes rich, when the glory of his house increases. For when he dies, he will carry nothing away. His glory will not go down after him. For though, while he lives, he counts himself blessed, and though you get praise when you do well for yourself, his soul will go to the generation of his fathers, who will never again see light. Man in his pomp, yet without understanding, is like the beasts that perish. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Chris, for reading that. Um, well, this is not a lot better than a talking head video, but at least I know you're listening right now, or at least you appear to be listening, rather than at some uh, random unappointed time in the future. Um, and I can see some of you responding, which is fun. Um, so uh, we've been walk, working through some psalms, uh, just reflections. These are these are devos more than they are uh, preaching, just sort of helping us focus on the gospel and see God in the psalms. And one of the things as I've been thinking about it is um, we tend to think of the psalms as a songbook or a prayer book, but you can find basically every theological truth in the scripture will be found in the Psalms. So um, we're able to hit and, and kind of touch on so many different things just by walking through these, these different, these different songs. So um, last week we looked at Psalm 30. And so I was reading ahead, trying to find a, um, a Psalm for this week. And I came across Psalm 49 and I decided this was a good place to go because uh, in my own heart, and I know talking to a lot of you and texting with a lot of you, um, one of the things that's, One of the most pressing desires right now and the way that most of us express it is sort of back to normal. I don't know if you have been feeling that. Um, That's been kind of the way that I've been talking about it. And I've heard some of you say that. It's like, I just want this to be over. I just want to go back, uh, back to normal. Like this feels so sort of unreal or unprecedented. We use all these words, unimaginable. and, um, And we just want to go back to normal. And on the surface, that really is just this desire to go back to regular routines and regular things and do the same things we normally do. But I, 
as I thought about it and when I came across this psalm, I realized that there's something sort of uh, at the spiritual level that's happening at the same time. And that's what I want to, that's what I want to think about. Um, so Psalm 49 is a wisdom psalm. You can kind of see that as we read through it. Maybe you hear some of those things that sound like it's in Proverbs. Um, he starts out with this, hear, hear all people high and low. It doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor. I'm going to speak wisdom. I'm going to talk about riddles. And that's what wisdom literature does is how, how do we live um, in the context of this confusing world? And how do we do it wisely? How do we do it before God? Um, and so that's what, that's what the Psalm is trying to do is to convey a wisdom, a wisdom message. Um, and, and so he comes to verses five and six and he kind of sets out his question. And not all wisdom literature does this, but here we see he sets out a question and then he immediately says, kind of intends, I'm going to answer this. Here's my question and here's, and here's how I'm going to answer it. And so the question is in verses five and six, why should I fear in times of trouble when the iniquity of those who cheat me surrounds me, those who trust in their wealth and boast of the abundance of their riches? The basic question, why should I fear in times of trouble? And then his specific trouble is the idea that there's these rich people who are cheating him, people who are seem to have abundance and they're stealing from abundance from him. And so the question, why should I fear in times of trouble is actually here a rhetorical question with the answer of you shouldn't, right? He's going to tell you the rest of the Psalm is going to explain why you shouldn't fear in times of trouble. So as I'm reading this Psalm and thinking about our situation, as we talked you know, over and over about fear and anxiety and the different things involved in our current sort of lockdown virus situation. Here he's going to answer the question, why shouldn't we fear in times of trouble? And the answer is, is in verse 7 to 20. He spends the rest of the psalm. And so you would expect, I think, or I would expect when you ask, why shouldn't you fear that the answer would be because everything's going to be fine, right? Like it's, everything's going to go back to normal. Um, don't worry about it. It's not going to, nothing, nothing will harm you. And other Psalms sort of approach it this way. Um, so I, it's sort of a, uh, non-intuitive answer, I think in the rest of the Psalm, instead of getting, Hey, everything's going to be fine. We actually get the exact opposite of everything's going to be fine. Right. If you read the rest of the Psalm, starting in verse seven, you get what sounds a lot like Ecclesiastes, like life is short. Uh, death comes to everyone. Uh, no one can ransom themselves. So look at, look at some of these some of these things. In verse seven, he says, uh, truly no man can ransom another or give to God the price of his life. Eugene Peterson, uh, in the message, he translates this as, there's no such thing as self-rescue, pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. In other words, hey, in the midst of trouble, you can't save yourself. Like you're toast. You can't, you're not gonna, you're not gonna fix it. Um, verse 10, he sees that even the wise die, the fool and the stupid alike must perish and leave their wealth to others. And then verse 12 and 20 are kind of parallel to one another. And they say, man and women, mankind in his pomp, like in our sort of extravagance and our comfort and our, in our ease and our luxury, uh, the good things of our life, uh, we're not going to remain like the beasts. We're going to perish. Um, I like verse 11, maybe the best. It says, their graves are their homes forever, their dwelling places to all generations, though they called lands by their own name. Sort of framing this idea of you come in and you like put your flag down and you say, this is, you know, um, like uh, I come from Pennsylvania, which is 
William Penn founded Pennsylvania. So he named the whole state of Pennsylvania after him. And now he's buried in the ground in Pennsylvania. And that's the kind of imagery here. Like he claimed the land for himself and now he's buried in the land. So he doesn't own it anymore. Um, so all of that to say, as I read through this and as I, as I pondered this, this idea of us going back to normal, um, what, we're, what we're experiencing right now is normal. What we experienced before in ease and comfort and luxury, not having to think about death or pretending that death isn't there, pretending that things are okay, pretending that everything's going well, that's abnormal. The, this crisis, this situation where we're locked down is actually revealing the, the nature of life itself. Like it's giving us a, a glimpse into what life is actually like, into real normal. One article I read this week is a super good article on The Atlantic. And he's, this guy's not a, not a Christian at all, but he, he wrote this. What the current crisis reminds us is not the unreality of the pandemic, but the illusions that are shattered by it. We live in the illusion that thanks to science and medicine and the social and government structures that we exist in some kind of bubble that's protected from cataclysmic events that we're currently experiencing. And at least that's, that's been true for me. Like you think of uh, the plague and terrible things and collapse of society and just chaos. You think of that sort of in the past, like we've sort of achieved something beyond that, that that can't happen to us, that we're impervious to it. And this is showing us that that's just not true, <laughs> that normal actually is what he's saying here in Psalm 49, that everyone's going to die. Everyone's going to go down to the pit. And we've kind of, someone said, I think it might've been Micah Tolls and I were talking. I think Micah, you can correct me later if you didn't say this, but kind of reminded me that um, we as Americans right now in this era have sort of hit the gen genetic and chronological jackpot. Like we have more ease and more comfort and more technology. Um, we have an easier life than almost anyone else in the history of the, of the world. We have to think about death less than almost anyone else in the history of the world. We have the luxury of like making up dystopian stories and then going to the movies to watch stories about dystopia because we don't experience them outside. We go back to our comfortable homes and lay in our comfortable beds and we don't have to, how many movies have you seen where like New York is in shambles, right? The Statue of Liberty is like falling over and there's huge giant waves crashing onto New York City. And like, that's like, that's fake. But now we're actually experiencing that with the virus. And we're like, oh my gosh, this can't be real <laughs> because we're so not used to actually having to stare the reality of, of death in the face. And it, for me, as I read that, I realized that I have this idolatry of what normal is. And it's not normal in terms of my normal routines. It's normal in terms of not having, not having pain, not having sadness, not having sorrow, not having to think about death. That this spiritual level, my desire to go back to normal is a desire to actually escape from the realities of the world. <laughs> um, and that demonstrates that I, we, I think, worship we worship comfort. We've like drank the Kool-Aid of the health and wealth gospel that God's here to make our lives easy and comfortable. And Psalm 49 actually answers the question in the other way, right? That brokenness and pain and sin and death is normal. That is normal. <laughs> the, the frustration of living in a groaning, Romans calls the creation groaning. The, the reality of living in that situation is, is normal that this situation hasn't changed the percent chance that you're going to die at all. <laughs> the percent chance is still 100%. And 
And so if you don't know the rest of the story, you read this psalm, and you're like, this is a terrible answer. You just like throw it, throw your hands up, and you're just going to go into the grave and die. Um, and yet, starting in this place and having psalms that sing that, about this and force us to to think about it and having situations that force us to think about it is good for our spiritual health. Um, Jonathan Edwards wrote, I forget how many, a hundred and something resolutions that he was going to live his life by. And number nine says, resolved to think much on all occasions of my own dying and of the common circumstances which attend death. Why? Because buried in the Psalm, verse 15 is the pointer to the rest of the story, right? Verse 15 says, but God will ransom my soul. Contrast that with verse seven that says, there is no, you can't save yourself. No man can ransom his own soul. And yet the psalmist in the midst of admitting that everyone's going to die knows and believes that there's ransom for his soul. Um, And so what we really need is not, uh, it's not to avoid death. Uh, It's not to go back to normal where we can pretend that everything's fine. It's to be able to sit in the midst of this and realize that this is, this is, this is normal. This is how the world is. And we need something that's going to push us beyond that. Um, We celebrated Easter last week and we saw in, in um, Psalm 30 talked about the, the, the resurrection hope is not just a dream. It's not a wish that it's secure, that it's solid. And so um, when you find yourself longing, as I found myself this past week, longing for normal, for things to just get better, to not have to be frustrated anymore, um, ask the question, what does that reveal about your soul? Like, what does your soul want in that? What are you actually wanting when you want normal? Um, some, some of those things are fine. Other things are revealing in us idolatries. They're revealing a, this especially for our cultural context, living in this bubble where we can basically avoid hard things. Um, and we're being forced to, to reconcile with that. So here's two suggestions that this should lead us towards is humility before God in that death is real, that God is big and we are small. Um, and, and seeing that, seeing the reality that God's word and his being lasts forever and we fade like the flowers, that should bring in us humility Um, especially as we confront our circumstances, but then also hope, hope that Jesus is going to restore everything, hope in the resurrection, that I, my longing for normal is actually not going to be satisfied. If everything tomorrow went back to normal, I'm not actually going to feel better, (laughs) Um, that I need something better and bigger to hope in. So I want to encourage you as you wrestle with that, as you, as we wrestle with slowly going back to normal life over the next however many months, um, that when we, when we catch ourselves longing for that, that we ask, why am, what am I actually longing for? What do I want when I want normal? Um, and is it God? Is it resurrection? Is it restoration of all things? Or am I being satisfied in something a lot smaller and a lot more self, a lot more self-focused? Um, so that was my wrestling this week as I read this. Um, that's a little bit encouraging to you. Um, I know it's re- on the surface, it seems pessimistic but in the midst of that is where is when we find resurrection uh resurrection hope so if you're just wishing for the pandemic to go away and pretend it never was there then you're missing you're missing the point (laughs) um don't put your hope uh in normal put your hope in in jesus put your hope in future resurrection um 
And, and day by day, we have to do that. That's, this is the gospel. It's, it's why we say it over and over. It's not something we just hope for, but it's actually the way that we process, um, the way that we think about, the way that we experience events should be changed because we believe in the resurrection. So um, that's resurrection hope for today. Uh, we'll continue to celebrate the resurrection and talk more about that in the Psalms over the next uh, few weeks, but let's, uh, let's pray. And then Lem will lead us in. Uh, he will hold me fast. Lord Jesus, we thank you that we can gather on Zoom, that you are with uh, all of us, that you unite us together in spirit and in truth, um, even one dimensionally like this. And we, we pray uh, as we, as we push up against, um, for some of us, uh, a long life of frustration and difficulty and pain, others of us um, experiencing frustration and difficulty and, and just the futility of life in a new way, uh, maybe for the first time right now as we sit uh, apart, as we can't uh, do our normal things, go to our normal places, eat our normal things, um, where everything's disrupted, Father, allow that disruption to illuminate the idolatry in our in our hearts, that we would worship you uh, in your good gifts, uh, that we wouldn't long after those gifts as things that can satisfy us, but that we would hope uh, in resurrection because of, of what you have done for us and what you are doing to restore and redeem all things. So give us hope in that um, and joy in it. I pray as we... Um, as we always do, that you would bless our uh, offerings as we give them, as we as we send them uh, in check and online, that you would bless those, that you'd use them for your kingdom. Uh, we pray um, that you would show us how you are, um, as a good God, stewarding all things, that we would uh, steward the things you've given to us. And we pray it in your name. Amen. <laughs>